0: Living adventurously is brought to you in partnership with Komoot, the route planning and navigation app that helps you make the most of your outdoor adventures. Whether you're cycling, hiking, running, or bikepacking, Komoot's easy-to-use technology will get you out the door and exploring more of the great outdoors. You can see where I've been exploring by checking out the highlights of my journey on Komoot. Just follow the link in the show notes. My name is Alistair Humphreys. I set out on a bicycle journey around Yorkshire to speak to interesting, ordinary people who, in very different ways, are making an effort to live adventurously. I wanted to talk about what they do, about the barriers they've faced along the way, and to seek their perspective on some of the big questions that all of us encounter in our lives. Welcome to Living Adventurously. <laughs> I've written here needs intro music. Um, okay, here we go. Have a loop. Here we go. Here I am. Final interview of the series at home. We've got a very special guest today goes by the name of um, Mr. David Humphreys or more commonly known to me as Dad. <laughs> uh, how are you feeling being interviewed at the at the living room table?
1: It feels quite strange <laughs> it isn't something that happens every day.
0: <laughs> right um, when you were so one of the reasons I've been cycling around Yorkshire is trying to see what the idea of living adventurously means to different people and the sort of routes that that's taken them down. So back when you were, let's say, 12 or 13 at school in the early 50s, what were most of your friends and classmates and you looking like you were going to go and do with life? What, what was the career you were headed towards, do you think?
1: Well, because geography was probably one of my favourite subjects at school, I was always fascinated by the world in general uh, I decided that I would join the navy, and uh, go and see this big world. But my father told me that I would never have any money in the services, and that I wasn't to do it. I went away to college to do uh, to learn bakery and confectionery, and when I was there, the Union Castle Line came along uh, recruiting young catering stuff for the ships I thought that sounded exciting so I went off to London which was a big adventure having only been there once before and I had an interview uh, during which time the chap asked me what I was taking the exams and I said of sitting gills, national diploma etc and he said oh right, yes I think we can give you the job And I, in my naivety, said to him, well, I haven't had my results yet, sir. And he said, oh, I I think it will be all right. And so I duly went away and that was my adventure. Most of my friends had to do national service as it was then. I was exempted by virtue of the Merchant Navy, but they all went off and did different things after they'd completed national service. And... I really didn't see very much of them after that at all.
0: So, what you, when you um, your dad said that you wouldn't make any uh, any money joining the forces? Did he mind you going off to join the merchant
1: navy? No, no, he he was delighted. You know, he was all for me spreading my wings and going and seeing the world. It was my mother, who who quite on the opposite, didn't want me to leave home as a lot of mothers don't with their sons. She was saying to me, "What if you don't like it? et cetera, et cetera?" But uh, that didn't cut any ice with me. I still went away and had twelve years and thoroughly enjoyed them.
0: So where, where was your first? Where did you go to first? Where was your first voyage?
1: The first voyage was on a ship called the Bloomfontein Castle, sailing out of King George V Dock in London, uh, and we circumnavigated Africa, which was quite exciting, from Las Palmas in the Canaries. Down the uh, west coast of Africa, down to Cape Town, Durban, and then back up the east coast, Mombasa, Aden, through the Suez Canal, through the Mediterranean to Genoa, and Gibraltar, and then back home—a nine-week voyage.
0: So where did you did you get to go um, off the ship? And when you were in Africa, did you get to visit many places?
1: Because it was a passenger boat and I was working in the bakery, um, we didn't get a lot of time off. No, we'd get a couple of hours in the afternoon maybe. Uh, But I got a glimpse of places. I can remember spending Christmas Day in Cape Town once, which was uh, quite exciting for me because I was only 18. I'd never been away from home before. And I was sitting in the park in Cape Town feeding the squirrels in the in the hot sunshine on Christmas Day, which seemed rather strange,
0: I did the same when I was in Cape Town. I remember you'd said that, so when I I went feeding the squirrels on Christmas Day as well. Didn't you? Didn't you stop somewhere like um, Djibouti or Somaliland? Or-
1: yes, once. Well, yes, when we came round, we used to go to the Horn of Africa, and we did go to Djibouti, uh, and that was probably one of one of the hottest places I've ever been. So that was in the Horn of Africa.
0: So when you when you came home from something like that, back in the early 50s, not that many people you knew would have been to Africa. So what, no. what when you came home for leave, what did they all make of your adventures? Were they not oh. that interested?
1: Oh, yes, very interested indeed. I bought a camera on my first voyage in Aden so that I could uh, record where I'd been. And it was interesting because in those days it was film, of course, and the films came in either 24 exposures or 36. And I used to splash out and buy a 36 exposure. And that, that took me all the way around Africa in nine weeks. So I had to ration my pictures out so I could show my folks when I got back where I'd been.
0: That's amazing, isn't it, to tell to um, all the way around Africa in 36 pictures. <laughs> I, I probably took 36 pictures in Malham.
1: Yes, amazing.
0: Yeah, it's an amazing difference, that. So you, you've sailed around Africa. Um, where else, what other continents have you sailed to?
1: Uh, well, I spent the last eight years going uh, backwards and forwards to Australia and New Zealand. I was with a company called the New Zealand Shipping Company, a refrigerated cargo boat. So we used to take dry cargo out and bring refrigerated fruit and, and meat back. Uh, but the thing I liked about it most of all was the fact that there were cargo boats and so we, we never quite knew how we were going out or how we were coming back. Sometimes we'd go through the Red Sea and the Suez, sometimes we'd go the other way through the Panama Canal depending on the ports of call for dropping the cargo off on the way. We either went to Australia or New Zealand and then we came back. Usually via the South Sea Islands, Tonga, Samoa, Fiji, etc.
0: Um, and what were those islands like back in the fifties?
1: Well, wonderful. We used to go to Tahiti before the before they built a landing strip, so no aeroplanes were coming in, and and it was quite unspoiled. I have taken photographs there. I used to hire a scooter when I was there and go around the island on a scooter. And I've taken photographs there and my mother remarked that it reminded her of the advert for bounty bars with the swaying palm trees.
0: Wow. Um did you um so to and fro to New Zealand a lot. Um but you didn't really stop much on mainland Asia, did you?
1: No. I've never been east. I've never been to China, I've never been to India, but I would like to very much, but I probably won't get there now.
0: What about what about um, the Americas?
1: Yes, uh, I've been to North and South America. I used to go to, uh, I've been to, I was very keen on traditional jazz when I was young, but I still am, and we once went to Baton Rouge, which is the port for New Orleans. So I had a one evening, actually, one evening in, in New Orleans, looking at Basin Street and Beale Street and Burgundy Street, all the ones that they sing about in the old traditional jazz songs and then I did a, two voyages with a company called PSNC Pacific Steam Navigation Company and we went down the west coast of South America we did 33 ports all the way down to Punta Arenas in the um, down at the very tip so I, whereas I've been down to uh, Cape Horn I've never been round Cape Horn because we turned around and came back up again. That was interesting. Did,
0: did any of the ships, not round the Horn, but did they go through the Straits of Magellan or was it just down and then back up?
1: No, down and we went in, into the Straits of Magellan and, and then turned around and came back up again.
0: And did you go up any, um, well, this is a leading question, so I know the answer. You would t- Tell me about going up the, um, it wasn't the Amazon, what river did you go up? Didn't you go miles upstream? Yeah, river? It, would,
1: it, it was the Amazon. Oh, was we it? Went oh, up, so you were
0: around that side as well? Went
1: up to, yeah, I forgot about that one. That was on an old banana boat called the Corrales. We went up to Manaus. Did oh, you went as far as that? Yep.
0: Did the, was the Opera House there then? Yes. That's crazy place. To yep. have a big Opera House, isn't yes, it? Yes, it
1: was absolutely amazing. So how long did it
0: take to get up to Manaus?
1: Ooh, days. days. I would think. Uh, I would guess between one and two weeks. And this, <coughs> you were,
0: that was on a properly big ship, wasn't it? Yes.
1: It was a banana boat, yeah, about 7,000 tonnes.
0: So is that is that, say, bigger than a Channel Ferry?
1: Yes. That's, not much bigger, yeah. not much bigger.
0: That's amazing, isn't it, to get that up that far yeah. up the river?
1: Well, when you go into the river, you can't see either side yeah. of it. It's that wide. It's, a couple, it's almost a like miles, the English Channel.
0: A much bigger, I think.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, amazing.
1: And when you come out of it, you can see the... The tidal where the mud goes all the way out to sea, where the river you know takes takes all the mud for miles and miles out beyond land. Oh, that's
0: amazing. So which what was your um, favourite place? Do you think that you travelled around?
1: Oh, New Zealand.
0: Yeah, you talk about you often talk about New Zealand. Why did you like New Zealand?
1: Just love New Zealand. It was <laughs> New Zealand was then as as England was sort of. Forty years before that, it was, it was for quite backward in the way of civilization. I don't mean to be rude because I loved that, um, and the people there were very, very pro English. Of course, they were all settlers originally, and they used to think of England as the motherland, and and everybody, all the, the young people in New Zealand always wanted to come to England and and of course Europe before they settled down because they were so far removed. And it had such a tremendous influence on them.
0: So um, when you were in um, New Zealand and you loved it so much, why didn't you just stay there?
1: I wanted to stay there. I was going to stay there. I was even offered a job out there. I went I went for an interview with a, a company that that sold bakery ingredients. <clears throat> and I was given the job of a demonstrator for the North Island, the whole of the North Island of New Zealand but then I came home, and my mother talked me out of it. I'm I'm ashamed to say, and uh, so I didn't I didn't take the job. And did you bought some land though, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I was. Where was that? It was about fifteen miles out of Auckland. It was on the on the water, uh, looking out into the Hauraki Gulf, whereas. I was always interested in the water and sailing and I looked at it and I thought yes I can drive into the front door and I can sail out of the back garden look at it looked out onto uh, Waiheke Island I think I'm right in saying Waiheke Island in the uh, at the entrance to Auckland Harbour But
0: you kept the land though didn't you for quite a long time I kept time. the
1: land until I bought a, a large oven when i had my bakery business in skipson and i was looking for about 28000 pounds this is about 40 years ago which was an awful lot of money and i sold my land in new zealand and uh, that helped me to fund this oven
0: that'd be nice to have wonderful yes yeah. <laughs> um so eventually you uh you, your navy advent merchant navy adventures time to stop that why why did you decide to stop that life of traveling around the world
1: well I got promoted through I went from when I went away to see I was a trainee baker on a passenger boat that had 302 crew and my article number was 302 so that tells you where I was in the pecking order and I worked my way up to uh, through the departments and eventually one of the Chief Steward said to me one day, I've had a word with the Master, the Captain, and we think you're suitable for promotion to Purser Chief Steward. Would you like to take it? And I jumped at the chance. So I spent the last about five years as Purser Chief Steward, which was head of catering department. I, I had to buy all the supplies and organise the wages and all that sort of wages and accounts for the ship. Only cargo box, 56 men but we were away for four and a half months at a time and I was in sole charge of that for four and a half months. And all the other chief stewards, when you looked around, they were all much older than me and they'd all gone on the bottle, which they tended to do because it's a bit boring, actually, at times. You you hadn't got a lot to do on a normal day-to-day basis. It was only when you were around port and that sort of thing, when you were buying and that sort of thing. And I decided that because I've never been a, a drinker, I said to myself, no, I'm not going to go down that road. I'll go ashore, I'll start again, start my own business and and put this behind me. So that's what that was all about.
0: So when when you stopped that and you started your um, bakery business in, in Yorkshire, did you ever miss the days of... Being off around New Zealand and the South Pacific.
1: I still do. <laughs> yeah. I still do. I loved it. There were 12 years that I, I wouldn't swap for anybody. Now, wonderful to have had them, but I'd done that and I had to move on.
0: Okay, so you you moved on then to a bakery business in, in Yorkshire. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: so I've been riding around Yorkshire now for a month because we grew up here. Um, why have you always, well, mostly always lived in Yorkshire why why didn't you go and live off in? well North, Northampton? when I
1: when I was young you know before I left school circumstances at home with a poorly father and a poorly mother meant that we would we only ever once went on holiday together as a family but I was in the scouts which I loved and every year the scout camp was my annual holiday and we used to go to places like Pateley Bridge and, and the Lake District and, and I just absolutely loved it. I had a friend whose auntie was a school teacher in Bainbridge in Wensleydale and I went there a couple of years for my Easter holidays with him. And I just said when I get married or when I grow up, never mind getting married, when I grow up I'm going to live in either Pately Bridge or Skipton. And I just absolutely love the Dales and love the countryside. So that was it.
0: And you've been now here in in this village for... for...
1: 46 years we've been married last week. And when we got married, we came to live at Gargrave. And so we've been in this area. we had two years in Gargrave. So we've been in this house for about 44 years now.
0: So what what does the word home mean to you?
1: Uh, Home. Home literally. This house, this... You know home family everything
0: yeah all all the uh but it, does it feel to you tied up with the location do you think you could home could be some like i don't know scotland or japan or do you no. think it's you're tied to no
1: it? no i'm i'm very much it, it's 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 in my in my bones is, is yorkshire i'm a yorkshireman born and bred you're hefted strong to the, in the arm and weak in the head yeah,
0: you're hefted to the land like a sheep yep so Dad, one thing I've been doing is going around with this deck of cards, um, asking which got questions on, seeking the wisdom from people. So I've been meeting all sorts of wise people, and you. Uh, so perhaps you'd like to take a card, any card, from the top or wherever you want, and uh, give me your answer. You, if if any you don't know the answer to, you can just skip. But I've been asking this different people the same questions. Can you read my bad handwriting?
1: What's holding you back? Why haven't you already begun? I don't think anything's holding me back. I've always done what I wanted to do, probably a bit selfish, but I've decided what I wanted to do and I've done it and I have no regrets whatsoever. Um, And I am eternally grateful for for everything. I've been very, very well blessed.
0: It's a good position to be in.
1: A wonderful position to be in. Very lucky.
0: Okay, uh, take another card, please.
1: Within reason, we can do anything. But we can't do
0: everything. Oh yeah. We can't we can do anything at all, more or less, but we can't do everything. So how do you go about making the choosing?
1: Well, the one thing I regret is I'm I'm quite happy with what I've done in life. I was I've always worked at what I wanted to work at. I've never had to sort of Say, oh dear! I've got to go to work because I've always thoroughly enjoyed everything I've done. But that's my selfish bit. You see, this I've I've done what I wanted to do, but my big regret, and it's quite embarrassing telling you this, is that I haven't spent as much time with my children as I as I should have done because I was always seem to be working.
0: I think you did find out. Don't worry about that. <laughs> uh, next one. Oh, another card? Yeah. Here's an easy one, Dad.
1: Most adventurous grown-up you knew when you... Oh, who I knew when I was a child. Yeah, so who
0: was the most adventurous grown-up you knew as a child, if any?
1: I can't answer that. I've always had a tremendous admiration for people like Captain Cook and uh, adventurers, but <laughs> I'm not so sure I ever knew any. Uh,
0: so I, I, I find that interesting because I, I put that in because I felt similarly. I thought the nearest I could think of was Mister Robotham from yeah, school. Yeah. But so, what about your scouts? Did that feel like an adventurous thing, or was it just? Uh,
1: yes, yeah, it was adventurous. talking l- about. And, No, it wasn't really larking about. It it helped to form me, and I've always been very aware of the people who gave their time. The scoutmaster was the local butcher, and we didn't have a scout hut. We used to meet in his garage, and then eventually they got a, um, a group together and started saving funds, and we built a wooden hut which was the scout hut. One of the assistant scout masters was a, a Welshman. He was only a young man. I think of it now. He'd only be early 20s, I suppose. And he was a school teacher, and he used to give a lot of his time to taking us on scout camps and round campfires singing a Welsh song called Sospan Fark, which I've no idea what it means, but he, <laughs> he taught us to sing that and... When I think of it as a young man, he gave his time to these sort of probably 20 uh, young teenagers and and, and I, I just admire people who, who give their time to help others.
0: Yeah, the Scouts is brilliant for that, yeah. isn't it? Um, okay, another one. Do, we'll do a few of these till it's time for a cup of tea.
1: If you could magically change one thing... In your life, what would it be? I get emotional about this. That I could uh, bring my father's health back. My father was always bedridden in my memory, but he'd been a, a very well-respected, very talented sportsman, and and I've only heard stories of this. That's about all I can say about that.
0: We've got his uh, golfing clock on the mantelpiece here. Yep.
1: Leeds Amateur Cup, 1936. Best gross score, 68, I think, which is absolutely amazing when you think about it.
0: Actually, looking at that clock reminds me of a question I forgot to ask, which was, um, tell me about the, the picture above the fireplace and why we've got that.
1: <laughs> well, the picture above the fireplace is my love of the sea. I was uh, in Portsmouth... And I, I saw this in a um, a departmental store window, and I liked it, and then a little while later, I thought, I'm going to buy that. And I went back, and they didn't have it. They, they, they said One lady said, oh yes, I think I can remember seeing it, but I, th- that's gone now. Anyway, very, I must have left a phone number or something, because a little while later, I was phoned by the store and they said, oh, one of the staff has found this picture and and remembered that you wanted it. Would you like us to bring it to light and you can come and collect it? So I did. And I can remember I paid for the picture and I left something for the person who remembered to contact me. And it's a picture of uh, Francis Chichester going uh, on Daisy, uh, Gypsy Moth, not, you know, forgotten now anyway i've lost my school of thought now anyway sailing around cape horn the picture is called Horn a beam and uh and it's painted by somebody who really knew what they were painting because it's wild and woolly the roaring 40s and uh, i i just i just think it's a wonderful painting i think
0: it is gypsy moth isn't it
1: yeah it is gypsy yeah, moth i think
0: so yeah Yeah, you can just see... You can see Cape
1: Horn, just in the distance. Beam, it's called.
0: Ah, Amazing, isn't it? Crazy. Right, we'll do a couple more, Dad, if you don't mind.
1: No. Tell me about the last time you climbed a tree or swam in a river. Sun.
0: Or going up a hill for sunset or something?
1: Uh, I would think the ones that come to mind are in the scouts. We used to swim in the river and run up fells and. Uh,
0: frisbee your plates across the river?
1: Yeah, frisbee. Frisbee. No, the, the, not across what, the river. We frisbeed our plates into Lake Windermere <laughs> when we were camping at Ray Castle. That was where we frisbeed our plates. So. Uh, I've I've climbed a few hills since then the local oh, we've done the three peaks with with you and your brother when school did it we I did it 8 years on the trot I remember the Yorkshire three peaks happy memories very happy memories next one if you ask your children <laughs> um, if no if you ask your childhood self who you thought you would... Do you want me to read it? Pardon?
0: Shall I, shall I read it? You read it. Okay, I can't story. read your writing. Well, it's my bad education. If you asked your childhood self who you thought you would be now, would you measure up? Um, so I guess what your, your childhood self imagined you'd be doing. suppose you went off on adventures. I
1: didn't really have... Visions of where I would be. I never really thought it would just take it a day at a time. Um, No, I I really can't answer that one. Sorry. That's
0: all right. Try another one.
1: What is enough? I would say enough is, is when you are happy, you're satisfied and you've got no regrets. I would say that my life has been... Very good to me, and um, I never like to say I've had enough, but uh,
0: had sufficient.
1: I've had sufficient, (laughs) but if if this is it, then this is it, and uh, so I've probably had enough.
0: That's a pretty good place to be, isn't it? Um, I think that's a good place to stop. Thank you, Dad.
1: Okay. Sorry for putting you
0: through my uh, interview. No, my pleasure. I hope it's done some.
1: Good for you.
0: Yeah, it was great. Thanks okay. very much. Okay. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Living Adventurously. There's show notes from every episode on my website, alistairhumphreys.com podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please take a screenshot of your phone and pop it up on social media or leave a review with your podcast provider. It makes a massive difference. Thank you very much. I teamed up with Komoot to make this podcast happen. In case you missed it, Komoot is an outdoor planning and navigation app that helps you explore more of the great outdoors. One of the many ways Komoot helps you have better adventures is with sport-specific routing. Komoot doesn't just plan any route. Oh no, Komoot plans your route. Select your sport, choose your start and end points, and Komoot plots a route using the best option for you. Whether that's smooth asphalts for your road bike, quiet gravel tracks for some chilled mountain bike riding or bike touring, or a road-free trail for your walk or ramble. After that, you can personalise your route even more by dragging the pins on your desktop screen or app to include your chosen destinations along the way of your adventure your very own outdoor experiences are waiting for you go explore more with komoot head to komoot.com/g and use the voucher code adventurous to claim your free region bundle